welcome back to another episode of The Wire Podcast. I am Ryan McCrary. Today, I want to talk about, uh, want to talk about some football. You know, we had the Auburn-Georgia rivalry game this past weekend. Definitely going to talk about that. Oklahoma and Texas both got upset this past weekend. Um, those were huge upsets. Uh, I'm going to talk about those. Then I'm going to talk about some uh, Week 4 NFL games, like the Browns-Cowboys shootout. I'm going to talk about Chiefs-Patriots, which happened last night. And then I'm going to talk about Chargers-Buccaneers. I'm also going to talk about the NBA Finals a little bit. Uh, you may have noticed uh, I have this screen back here. This is the Braves game. I'm a huge Braves fan. We're playing the Marlins in the second round of the MLB playoffs. So I might I might look over here one uh once or twice during the podcast. You might um, you may also notice that I'm wearing different glasses. Um and the reason why is because I ordered these new glasses online about like like two months ago, uh right before I left for college. And they have these blue light. Uh, like, the lenses are, like, pr- they protect my eyes against blue light, which is, like, like when I'm looking at, like, computer screens, because I lo- I'm looking at a computer screen a lot, because I'm a writer and I, and I'm a podcaster, so, uh, it, I have to do that, and it protects my eyes against it, but it's, like, there is a lot of glare, like, when I'm recording video and stuff like that, so I'm wearing these other glasses that I've had for a while. Uh, without further ado, let's... Let's get into the podcast. I got a lot to talk about. Starting off with Auburn, Georgia, Deep South's oldest rivalry. And as an Auburn game, this was very, very tough to watch because Georgia just dominated Auburn. It wasn't even a close game. Georgia's just so much better than Auburn. And at this point, I'm ready to say Auburn's just not very good at all. They, they just are not a good football team. We're still ranked in the top 15. And, I mean, I understand it, but we are not very good at all. We don't have a good offensive line. Our offensive line is awful. Uh, our secondary is bad. Um, our, our, our front our front seven isn't very good. We don't put a lot of pressure on the quarterback. Uh, our offense is just terrible. We can't move the ball. We can't score uh, with any kind of consistency. We're just really, really bad. Um, and I feel like our play calling hasn't been good. Offensively, I mean, I don't really, I don't think the play calling's been that bad offensively. I think the offensive line has just been so, so awful. That is, it, it's been really difficult for us to do anything offensively. Now, on defense, I don't like our play calling at all. We're calling a lot of nickel, and for the first two games, we've been playing run-heavy offenses, yet... We're running four two five uh for a majority of the game. And that just doesn't make any sense. Especially considering that our defensive line is not that strong this year. Um or, or not as strong as it was last year, considering we we lost uh Derrick Brown to the draft. And so I just don't really understand what our philosophy is on defense. Um like when we when we when you take into consideration our matchups uh, for the first two weeks, I don't know why we're running nickel uh, four two five the entire game. It just doesn't really make sense to me. But hey, I'm not a college football coach. Uh, this game, you know, going into it, I was confident that we were going to be able to at, at least keep it close. I thought we would at least cover the uh, the was it seven and a half point spread. 
I was confident we were going to cover. Uh, we did not. As, as you all know, we lost by 21 points, 27 to 6, final score. Um, and everything that could have gone wrong for us did go wrong. So the keys for the game for Auburn were, you know, try to limit the damage Georgia could do in the run game. We didn't. They ran all over us all game. Um, it was tough. Like, they were just running the ball down Auburn's throat. Next, you had to not make it easy on Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett is very inexperienced, uh, but he's good. He's really good working in the middle of the field. Um, so you want to just shut down the middle of the field and force him to throw outside the numbers. Force him to, you need to just get him out of his comfort zone and try to magnify his weaknesses. And, you know, he's not a big guy. He's not, he doesn't have a super strong arm. So you want to kind of force him to make throws outside the boundary. We did none of that. Our secondary really struggled. And one of the reasons why is because our best corner, Smoke Monday, got ejected in the first half for targeting. It was the right call. I have no issue with it. It's just, like, the fact is, he's our best corner, and him going out of the game sucked for us. It really hurt our secondary in this game. Um, and, and our secondary just was giving Stetson Bennett wide-open windows the entire game. I mean, this was the easiest game of Stetson Bennett's life. I mean, all he had to do was hand the ball off to the running back, or just make easy throws in the middle of the field. He had, he did have one really nice throw in the game where he, he was on the run, rolling out to the left, made a really nice throw on the run. It, it was a it was a nice throw. Uh, but yeah, so pretty much everything that that Auburn needed to do uh, to win the game, they didn't do. And the the offense was awful. Like our offensive line was really really bad in this game. Uh, they couldn't protect Bo Nix at all. They, they like Georgia would put a was able to get a lot of pressure on Bo Nix, forcing him to run out of the pocket, and so Bo Nix never got comfortable. And and he, he wasn't great. Uh, uh, even when he had the rollout, there were a lot of inaccurate throws, some bad decisions. It was just a rough game all around for for the Tigers. And I I just don't know where Auburn's gonna go from here. You know they're gonna have to play. Uh, they play Alabama. Um, like they do every year. I don't know if they play Florida. If they do, that's probably another L. I, I just, you know, Gus Malzahn has to go. And I think the reason, the reason why, uh, Auburn hasn't fired Gus Malzahn yet is because his buyout has been insanely high. So it would have been like a, a very, very, very huge, uh, price to pay, uh, to buy out his contract. So we just kept him on our staff. And I, th- I think now we're going to have to let him go. I think the time has come uh, to fire Gus Malzahn. Um, and that sucks for him. You know, I don't want anybody. To, I don't I don't wish unemployment on anybody. But in sports, it's different. The guy's a millionaire. He'll be fine. Uh, but with the way our offense has played the last couple of seasons, like our offense is so stale. Too many times within games, we just have these moments or these drives where we're just we can't move the ball and we can't score and 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 too often that happens so i'm ready to see gus malzahn go he's had a nice tenure here you know he took us to the national championship in 2013 um in 2017 we had a great year so he's had his moments and he's not a terrible head coach i would expect him to get hired somewhere 
But the, the time, like, we're, it, it's just, our relationship needs to end. Like, it, it's just time for him to go. The time has come for him to be fired. Um, but shout out to Georgia, you know, that was a big win for them, uh, at home. Uh, they showed out and they dominated Auburn. Huge win for them. Now, I will say that the hype need, like, let's, let's hit the break a little bit. Let's slow down on the hype for Georgia because they haven't beat a good team yet in my eyes. I get that Auburn had a number seven by their name. They are not a good football team. And I can tell you, I've watched the both Auburn games because I'm a fan. They are not very good at all. And, I mean, I tell you, I, I'm unbiased. I am an unbiased fan. Um, I'm not delusional. Like, this Auburn football team is not very good at all. Um, and so, I'm just not ready. Like, I, I've heard people say that Georgia is the best team in the country. I don't know how you can say that. Like, they've beaten, like, one semi-decent team in Auburn, who I get was ranked in the top 10, but... Like, listen, at the end of the season, Auburn may not be ranked. Like, I- I'm not, I'm not kidding. They may not be ranked. That's how, that's how bad they are. Um, and, and Stetson Bennett, he's a good quarterback. He's good. But there's only so much you can do with him as a quarterback. Like, when Georgia goes up against a really good defense, they're going to struggle. And especially if that defense is really good at stopping the run and then he force Stetson Bennett to win the game. I think Georgia's going to struggle. Now, Georgia is great on defense. That's something that I was really impressed with on Saturday. They put a lot of pressure on Bo Nix, forced him to make plays, and he was uncomfortable in the pocket. And so, um, that's something that Georgia is just elite at. They have an elite defense. And, but I just, I worry about their offense. You know, like, they rely heavily on the run game, which is fine. But if you're going to win a national championship, you need good quarterback play um, now in the modern game. Like historically speaking, you need you need good quarterback play quarterback play to win a national championship. There's some outliers, um, but you know, looking at the past couple of seasons, all the teams that have won the title have had a had a, a good quarterback. And so I just think at some point. George is going to have to realize that Stetson Bennett isn't the answer, and they're probably going to have to roll with JT Daniels. I would feel more comfortable if I were a Georgia fan with Daniels at my, as my starting quarterback. But for now, Bennett's done a good job. So shout out to him. He stepped in and played out of his mind. He's been really good. I just don't think he's been asked to do a whole lot. And I think his job was easy on Saturday. I think Auburn made it easy for Stetson Bennett to be successful. But anyway, that's all I have to say about that game. Shout out to Georgia. They were awesome in that game. I was really impressed by them. All right, Oklahoma, Iowa State. Wow, what a game. This was a really weird game because the final score was 37-30, to 30, Iowa won. But it didn't really feel like either team was particularly good on the offensive side of the ball. Um, in the first, it just felt like each team was kind of struggling to move the ball. Um, they weren't, they weren't having uber efficient drives like you would expect in a Big 12 matchup. Um, but there were still 67 total points scored in this football game. So, that just, it it was weird. Like, that final, that final score felt like a fake result to me. It it was crazy. Um, but Oklahoma, man, you know, they, they had a, they had a okay first half. They weren't great in the first half. 
but their defense was. Um, their defense did a really, really solid job in the first half. Their offense just could never really get going. And so they went into halftime up 17-13, when in reality, it sh- they should have been up by a lot more than four points heading into halftime. And so, uh, offensively, they just weren't on, uh, they, they didn't have it all together offensively in this game. Rattler is, he's a good quarterback. I really like Rattler. He's got a lot of tools. Uh, although he's small, he's got a heck of an arm. Uh, and he's just got some nice t- physical tools. But he's, he's young. He's inexperienced. And he's just not there yet. He's not there yet. Like, we look at the past Oklahoma quarterbacks, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts. Those guys were studs, and they were some of the best quarterbacks in the nation. I, I think Rattler is a few, is at least a year away from that. I just think, although he's got the tools, his decision making isn't great yet. Um, there's still times where ball placement can be kind of an issue. Accuracy isn't always there with him. Uh, and, and today, in, in this game, Rattler needed to be better, and he needs to continue to play better if Oklahoma wants to get to that next level, if they want to get to the top of the mountain where they're contending for a national championship this year. Now, I don't know if they're ever going to reach that, but if they do, they're going to need to do a couple of things, but one, one huge issue they have right now is Rattler's play. Now, he's, he hasn't been awful. He just hasn't been good enough. He's been fine. But he needs to be better. And in this game, he, I mean, he has, the, the Oklahoma's offense just was really bad. They had some missed opportunities. Um, in the first half, they just, too many missed opportunities, basically, in the first half. Uh, they, they, they didn't capitalize enough and they ended up only having a four point lead going into halftime. That was a huge mistake. Then the second half rolls around and their defense kind of crumbles. And that's been a, that's been a, um, the story of Oklahoma season so far, second half woes, and then their run defense has been terrible, and it was awful in this game. Um, Reese Hall, Iowa State's running back, he went off. He had 28 carries, 139 yards, uh, with five yards of carry and two touchdowns. That you that cannot happen. Oklahoma's defense has to be better, especially in the second half. In the first two games, the second half rolls around, and their their defense just crumbles, and they allow too many points. I believe in this game, uh, I can't remember how many points Iowa State had in the fourth quarter. I believe it was 10. It was like between 10 and 14. In the first game, they gave up 17 fourth quarter points to Kansas State. That cannot happen. That absolutely cannot happen. Um, so Oklahoma needs to fix that. And Iowa State wasn't even great in the passing game. Uh, Brock Purdy wasn't that great. I mean, he was, I mean, he just wasn't that great. And they still put up 37 points on Oklahoma. And so, if Oklahoma can kind of get it together defensively, I think they'll be okay. Um, but so far, they've been really, really bad defensively. They're giving up a ton of points. The run defense has been just awful. And I don't think it's going to stop. I mean, that's just who Oklahoma has been. The, the past few years, and I don't see it stopping anytime soon. So that was a big win for Iowa State. Not only did they cover, they outright won the game, just like Kansas State did last week. Um, so that was a huge win. And now Oklahoma goes on to face Texas this weekend. And speaking of Texas, 
that's the game I'm talking about next. Texas uh, took on TCU, and this was an even crazier game than the Oklahoma-Iowa State game, because at halftime, the score was 7-3. to And in a Big 12 matchup, you just don't see that, especially when Texas is playing. Like, Texas has a really, really, uh, a really explosive offense. And so, seeing a 7-3 to score at halftime is absolutely insane. Um, one thing I really, I really want to talk about is Max Duggan's performance. He was really, really good in this game, especially considering la- like his performance last season. I remember watching TCU as I was preparing for the NFL draft, and man, I just felt so bad for Jalen Rager because Max Duggan was awful last year. I, mean, I cannot state enough how bad he played. Last year, he was he was really really bad, um, and he looked good yesterday. You know, he did a lot as a rusher, uh, made some big throws deep down the field. Um, he looked like a competent quarterback, and I just didn't see that from him last year. But he came into this game against the top ten team in Texas, and he played pretty well. So shout out to Max Duggan. He showed up. Um, and he played, he played pretty well, especially considering, considering where he was last year. So shout out to him. Um, one thing that really hurt Texas was turnovers. They had some crucial turnovers in this game, and they just killed them at the end. Um, they should have put up more points, uh, in the second half, but, you know, the turnovers allowed TCU to, to, you know, get back in the game, um, and take the lead. They got good field position because of these turnovers. And they just killed killed Texas. Now I wasn't really impressed by Sam Ellinger. Um, Sam Ellinger, you know, his stat line looked fine, but I just, just watching the game, I wasn't really impressed. There were some bad throws, um, some mistakes. You know, he had that one pick that wasn't really his fault. There was some route miscommunication between him and the receiver. Um, so uh, it wasn't like a bad read or, any, or anything. Some something just happened. Someone did something wrong. Um, and I'm pretty sure it was the receiver because Sam Ellinger thought he was running an in route and he ran like a seven route. And so, and which is really just like a, like when a receiver goes, like runs like an in and goes like, like they like fake an in route and run like a corner. That, that's basically what a seven route is. Um, so that was the one interception, but I just wasn't really impressed by him. I expected a better performance. Um, and he just wasn't the dominant corner, quarterback that I expect him to be on a week to week basis. Um, one thing I did notice looking at the box score of this game, I did watch it, but I just looked at the box score. TCU had more first downs, more total yards, a longer time of possession, and they won the turnover battle. That, like, it's clear why they won the game. Like, when, like, when a team is winning in all of these categories, they probably, they're probably gonna win the game. And that's what happened. Like, they dominated time of possession by, like, nine minutes, I believe. Um, so it's clear to see why they won this game. Um, shout out to TCU. They, they've had a, a, a decent year so far. Um, and what a big win for them. Huge, huge upset. Now we're going to get Oklahoma, Texas this weekend. And that would have been, like, a really high, highly ranked matchup. But now it's not going to go into me because Oklahoma... Uh, are they ranked anymore? I don't know if they're ranked because they were 18 last week. I don't know what that situation is looking like. Don't know what the rankings are going to look like, but 
it's not going to be a top 10 matchup like you probably would have would have expected it to be at the beginning of the year. All right, now let's get into the NFL uh, week four games. First off, I want to talk about Cowboys Browns. What a crazy game! There was 87 points scored in this game. Let me like, and let me repeat: 87 points. 87. You heard that right. 87 points combined between both teams. That's insane. I mean, the Browns won 49 to 38, and this was an incredible shootout and an incredibly ugly performance by both teams' defenses. Now, in the first half, the Browns were on fire. I mean, they scored 38 po- or 31, 31 points, I believe. 31. I can't. I can't remember if it was 38 to 14 or 31 to 14 at half, but they scored over 30 points in the first half. That's incredible. Um, but they were just dominating the Cowboys' defense. I mean, they, they were scoring a lot of points. You know, Jarvis Landry had a had a dot to Odell Beckham Jr. for a touchdown. Uh, their their run game was was really really good. Um, Baker was playing well. Um, but one thing that really killed the Cowboys because uh, they should have been able to go toe to toe with the Browns, and they they should have been able to match them point for point in this game. But they turned the ball over twice in the first half. They had two fumbles, and that just killed them. And that those fumbles allowed the Browns to get a two touchdown lead on the on the Cowboys. And at that point, it was just really hard uh, for Dallas to come back in this game. Now in the second half, they did actually come back. Their offense uh, got to work. You know, they were down forty-one to fourteen going into the fourth quarter, and a flip just switched, and the Cowboys put up a ton of points in the fourth quarter to make it close. And at one point, they had a chance to um, to tie the game. They had a, they were down, was it nine? I forgot the situation, but they had a chance to score a touchdown. They were down 11, that's it. They had a chance to score a touchdown, go for two, then kick a field goal. So they scored a touchdown, went for two, got it. Um, then they kicked it off to the Browns. And the Browns, uh, they ended up scoring on this crazy uh, reverse to Odell, where he um, he he got away from a tackler. He like re- ran a reverse and then came back the other way, reversed the field again, and ended up scoring on a crazy touchdown that basically ended the game. Uh, and but what a performance by the Browns offense! They were awesome, and and Baker didn't even didn't even have a a, a crazy stat line. They just had so much success running the football. Um, they had a lot of guys. I think they had three players with over 60 rushing yards. Um, don't quote me on that, but I, th- I think that uh, may be the case. They just they, they played really, really well offensively. Uh, and those two turnovers by the Cowboys killed them. Uh, and, and it's the reason why the Browns were able to win this game by double digits. I want to talk about Dak a little bit because... He's on pace to break, uh, to de- absolutely destroy the single season, uh, passing yards record. He's going to destroy it if he continues on, on the pace that he's at. Um, and, and he's a good quarterback. And I get that quarterback record is not a good stat because there's a lot of context that, that, that you need to provide with those or with that statistic. But, when I'm looking at the Cowboys, and I'm looking at Dak, and all the weapons he has around him, 
and I'm looking at his stats, I just like I I don't understand why the Cowboys are are one in three. And I get I get that their schedule they have played a a, a pretty difficult schedule. I will admit their schedule has not been easy, and and their defense is not good. I I get that, and I I mean I believe it. Yeah, like their defense is terrible, and their schedule has been far from easy. But if Dak Prescott, who uh I would say that a lot of people, or maybe not a lot of people, uh, but um some people believe, especially in the media, I, I believe a lot of media members believe that. Dak Prescott is a franchise quarterback. If Dak Prescott is a franchise quarterback and is a top 10 quarterback in the NFL, um, and that's something I believe a lot of people would agree with, that he's a top 10 quarterback. Um, I don't necessarily, but I think the consensus is that Dak Prescott is a top 10 quarterback. If he is, and if he is a franchise quarterback, um, and he has all those weapons around him, why are the Cowboys 1-3? Uh, it, 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 it shouldn't be that way. And look, I get the defense is terrible, but come on, you have all these weapons. Like your <laughs> your owner picked Ceedee Lamb in the first round to give you another weapon. You have a good offensive line. You have one of, if not the best, receiving cores in the league. Uh, I would say they're not the best, but they are up there for sure. Like you have Ceedee Lamb, Amari Cooper, and Michael Gallup, and then you have Ezekiel Elliott. You have plenty of weapons off on offense, and your defense is terrible. I get that, but you still shouldn't be one in three. And so, I think Dak Prescott is the perfect example of stats, you know, not telling the whole story because um, they shouldn't be one in three. Like you look at Patrick Mahomes in 2018, you know, that was the year he won the MVP. And you look at Dak, and he's putting up numbers that are MVP level. And in that year, the Chiefs were fine. Like they they finished twelve and four, I believe. I believe that was their record. Um, and and their defense was terrible. Like their defense ranked in the bottom six. Or no, they they ranked in the bottom ten. I think they had the twenty fourth ranked defense. Um, and the Cowboys have the twenty eighth. So they were pretty close. Um, in terms of their ranking within the league. And I just don't understand how the Cowboys are 1-3 in three if Dak is what it is a franchise quarterback and one of the 10 best quarterbacks in the league. I don't believe it is. Um, I get that quarterback wins is not a good statistic. I agree. But this is just something that um, I, I, I think shows that Dak Prescott isn't uh, a franchise quarterback. I just don't. I believe the Cowboys should be better. I believe their record uh, should not be as bad as it is. Maybe it gets better. I doubt it because the defense is really, really, really bad. Uh, but you just look at guys like Mahomes. You know, they have such a big impact on the game that I and I just don't think Dak Prescott does. He puts up the numbers, but you look at the win loss column. And, and I, I just don't understand, what, like, if he is as good as everyone says he is, I think the record would be different. I honestly do. Um, but I believe Dak Prescott is a good, a good quarterback. I don't think he's terrible. I don't think he's bad at all. I, I don't believe that for one second. He is one of the most talented quarterbacks in the league, like, physically. He is just, he's got a strong arm. Um, he can provide a lot as a rusher. Um, he just, 
there's some decision making issues with him, and you know he just has never been a winner really. Um, and beside his rookie year, like after that, the Cowboys just haven't been the same. And and I think I just don't think Dak Prescott. I don't think his statistics translate to wins on the football field, and I think that's an issue. Uh, but that's something to keep a that's something to keep your eye on the Cowboys' performances going forward because their defense is probably not going to get any better. Uh, their number one corner, I, I I believe, is Trevon Diggs, who's a rookie. So like their defense is probably going to continue to struggle. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if their offense is able to lead them to some W's uh, moving forward in this season. Uh, let's talk about Chiefs Patriots last night. And uh, I'm sure a lot of people had the Chiefs in a teaser this week. Um, I know, you know, the, the Rams Chiefs, like if you put the, both those games in a teaser, uh, that's what I would have done. I think that was a good teaser. I'm sure a lot of people had that. And uh, the, the the Rams almost ruined that teaser. But the Chiefs got it done. They won 26-10 in this game. But the score, the game was not, uh, at, like, it was a lot closer than the score indicates. And, you know, the Patriots have been dealing with a lot this week. Uh, Cam Newton got COVID. He tested positive for COVID-19. Prayers up to him. I hope he has a speedy recovery. I hope he makes it through this. He most likely will, but I, it just sucks to see guys um, get, have to deal with COVID-19. You don't want to see anybody deal with that. So my prayers go out to him and his family as they go through this tough time. And, and the it left the Patriot, pa Patriots in a rough spot this week, going up against the best team in the NFL. So they ended up uh, starting uh, Brian Hoyer at quarterback. And I thought this game was going to possibly get ugly. But it really didn't, and the Patriots had a really good, um, a good game plan heading into this matchup. What they planned on doing was chewing the clock, keeping the ball out of Mahomes' hands, and not letting, uh, letting the score, letting the the Chiefs score a ton of points. They wanted to keep it low scoring. They didn't want to get into a shootout because they knew if they did, they were not going to be able to match the Chiefs point for point. So they ran the ball a lot. They didn't take a lot of deep shots. They just played a, a slow tempo. They played at a slow pace, and they just ran the clock a lot. And their defense played really, really good in the first half. They played extremely good, and they held the Chiefs to was it was it six to three? Yeah, it was six to three at halftime. I believe. I believe that may be wrong. That feels wrong. Um, but they they held them to. Uh, very few points in the first half. Their defense played super well. The Patriots, you know, I kept watch. I was actually had to do something. Um, uh, I was busy watching the game. I ended up watching it this morning. Uh, but I was busy during the game, so I was watching it, watching it through GameCast. And the Patriots kept punting, and I was like, okay, the Chiefs are gonna just they're gonna pile on points tonight, and it's gonna get ugly. But they did it. The the Patriots played good defense. Uh, they got a lot of stops in the first half, and they were within striking uh, striking distance at halftime because uh, because of their game plan because they were chewing the clock so much, and that continued in the in the second half. Uh, but Brian Hoyer he struggled a lot. You know, he had an interception in the first half, a really bad pick. 
Um, and that's, at one point, he got benched for Garrett Stidham. Stidham came in. He didn't really play that well either. He had one really nice throw when he first came in uh, near the goal line where he threw, threw a nice fade in the end zone. It was a nice ball. That was a really good throw. Then he came back, threw a pick six. It wasn't his fault. Uh, it was Edelman's fault. He dropped the pass, fell right into the Chiefs' hands. Uh, but then after that, you know, he had, he had a, a they ran a he had a post route that was open. It was a the right read, uh, and he had the guy, but he just didn't have enough enough velocity on the ball to get there. It was short, and Felton was able to to pick it off, um, and that basically ended the game. But I was really really impressed by the way the Patriots attacked the Chiefs. And I was really impressed with their game plan going to this game. And you knew Bill Belichick was going to have a really good game plan for the Chiefs. Um, and I think I'm going to make a video about um, how the Patriots and the Chargers, um, like what their game plans were going up against that offense. Because both of these teams uh, were did a really nice job of containing the Chiefs' offense. So I think I'm going to do a video about that. Now, neither team won, uh, but it looks like they have an idea of how you can possibly beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, you're going to have to be a really good team, uh, but that'll be, that, that would be a really interesting video that I think I might have to do. Um, but, you know, the Chiefs, and this thing I have, they got going offensively. Um, they had some big plays, they put up points, and they ended up winning 26-10. to 10. I was just really impressed with the Patriots' performance without Cam Newton. Now, if Cam Newton played, this game probably has a very different outcome. Um, I don't know if the Patriots win the game. You know, there was a really bad call uh, that I didn't really see. I heard about it on Twitter, and a friend who was watching the game uh, told me that apparently Mahomes, like, he either fumbled or threw a pick, but he was like in the grasp of a defender, and the refs blew the play dead, and it would have been a turnover. I didn't, I haven't seen the play, but I, I've heard that it was a terrible call. Um, so you know, with that, like if the if the refs did a better job, if Cam Newton played, there's no telling how the result of this game could have been different. Um, but shout out to the to the Patriots for giving the Chiefs all they can handle in this game. They they played really well. I'm right, moving on to the Chargers. Versus the Buccaneers, this is a big game. Big game for Justin Herbert, but also a big game for Tom Brady. Um, early, this was a come-behind win uh, for the Buccaneers. It got really ugly in the, in the first half early on because Tom Brady threw a pick six, and then the Buccaneers got down. At one point, they were down 24-7, to um, and it was, it was looking rough for them. When they were down 24-7, it was looking... Like, the Chargers were about to blow them out. Because Tom Brady had that pick. Um, the, the, the Chargers offense looked really good. I'm going to talk about Justin Herbert in a minute. I really just want to focus on the comeback first. Uh, but then things got, things clicked. Tom Brady played out of his mind after that. Um, he had some very nice throws. He had, a, he had one beautiful deep ball to Scotty Miller. Uh, he had a beautiful throw to O.J. Howard um, in the end zone. He also had a, a huge play in, in the red zone where he rolled out to the right, uh, threw the ball to Mike Evans in the end zone. It, it was a tough throw. He didn't, he wasn't like, extreme, he wasn't wide open, but he threw it up to him, allowed him to make a play, and Mike Evans came down with it. Uh, but Tom Brady, after going down 24-7, after throwing that pick six, he came back, 
played a really nice game, had five touchdowns, I believe. Let me actually look that up. Uh, I believe he had five touchdowns. Let me see. Um, hmm. I believe it was five. Was it, did he have 400 yards? Let me look. He was on my fantasy team. Had a really nice day. Shout out to Tom Brady. Uh, alright, let me see. Pull it up. Alright, he had 369 yards and five touchdowns. Uh, one pick, QBR of 85.2, and a passer rating of 117. He was awesome. Ronald Jones was also really good at 111 yards on 20 carries. Uh, and, and, and the Buccaneers offense just turned up in the second half. Um, and exploded. Uh, once they were, after they were down 24-7. I do want to talk about Justin Herbert. He continues to impress me. Um, I thought he looked really, I thought he looked fine in his first start. There were a few issues, a few bad plays, um, and, and but I was really impressed by the way he played. He didn't look scared. He looked ready for the moment, but um, this game, he showed a little bit more. He showed up his arm a bit. You know, he had that one deep ball, which was awesome, and this, this guy's arm is just absolutely insane. Like, his, his arm strength is crazy. You don't see a lot of guys... With with his level of arm talent, you just don't like this dude is a stud, um, and he showed it in this game. I mean, I mean, Justin Herbert looked really good on a few throws, um, and just a few deep balls where his arm strength was on full display. So shout out, shout out to Justin Herbert. Um, and he continues to look like he might actually be the real deal. Now I'm not ready to say. I, I still don't think that we've had a big enough sample size, but I gotta admit. Justin Herbert looks good so far, and, and I'm happy. Like I'm happy to admit that I'm wrong. Uh, you know, I mean, I think he's played really, really, really well, and he he has outshined my expectations for his rookie year. I didn't expect him to play as much as he has, and if I would have known he was going to play this much, I would not have guessed that he would have played as well. So he has surprised me, and he's been really, really good. Now I need a little bit more time. Before I say that I was completely wrong in my evaluation. But for now, I've been really impressed with Justin Herbert. And I think he's been really good. So shout out to Justin Herbert. He's been, he's just been really, really good. And, and, and I'm happy for him. I'm, I don't want to see anybody fail. I don't want to see anybody fail. Um, it's not like, I'm not just like, like sitting in my room all day just saying like, I hope Justin Herbert sucks. No, I don't want him to suck. I want him to be good. I want him to... I want him to make me eat my words, and he has done that so far, so shout out to him. Alright, to end off the pod, we're going to talk about the NBA Finals a little bit. Uh, game 3 is tonight, or no, sorry, Game 4 is tonight. Uh, I can't wait, you know, the, the Heat won Game 3, Jimmy Butler played out of his mind, had a 40 points from a double. He was the first player to ever have more points, rebounds, and assists in, in one Finals game. Uh, or to have more points, rebounds, and assists than LeBron James in the same finals game in history. No one's ever done that, but he did. He played out of his mind in game three. Uh, and he just, he clawed. The whole Heat team fought. They fought through injuries. Got a huge win in game three. Um, and now they're heading into game four. I don't know if Bam Adebayo is going to play. If he does, then he have a, the Heat have a realistic chance to win. Game four and to force um and to force game six. Um now I mean obviously they're gonna play game five, but if they win tonight, 
there's going to guarantee there is guaranteed that we're going to have a game six in this series. I hope the Heat win tonight to make this series close because the first two games were not close at all, uh, and that was because of injuries. And it's been a rough series for the Heat, um, but they're a bunch of fighters. Those guys on that team, they're grinders. They're dogs. They got that dog mentality, um, and, and they're going to fight all the way to the end, especially Jimmy Butler. And I've been really impressed with him, with his mentality, with his leadership, and just the way he played in Game 3. He was just so dominant. He was unstoppable in that game. I was really, really impressed uh, with him. He was really, really, really good. So shout out, shout out to Jimmy Butler. Just played his butt off in game, game three, uh, and, and just forced his way into a victory. Um, now game four, I think, I think the only way the Heat are that he have a chance to win tonight is if Bam Adebayo plays. Because if Bam Adebayo plays, that gives him an extra defender. He's arguably their best player. I think Jimmy Butler is their best player. Um, just because of what he can do as a defender and as a creator on the perimeter. Uh, but, but Bam Adebayo has been so good in the playoffs. He's one of the better, uh, defenders in the league with what he can do uh, as a rim protector and on the perimeter. His switchability is just so valuable. Um, and, and he is going to give them, um, somebody who can defend Anthony Davis. And I think the Lakers are going to come out, they're going to come out with, with, like, they're going to come to play tonight. They're not going to, they're not going to be slacking. Uh, like, they're, they're going to be focused on getting a victory tonight. And I think LeBron's going to have a big, a big game. I think Anthony Davis is going to have a big game. I think Rondo's going to, I think he's going to show out. I think Dwight Howard is going to have a good game. And to offset all, all those performances, I think the Heat are going to have to play really, really well, and they're going to need Bam Adebayo to try to contain Anthony Davis. Uh, because without Bam and without Goran Dragic, I just I don't see the Heat winning Game Four. Like those injuries are just—they're so tough, and those players are so essential to the Heat's success. Not having them hurts them, and it hurts their chances of winning. I hope the Heat win tonight. I hope they—I uh, hope they go into Game Five. With the series tied and with a chance to take the lead, because I want to see good good basketball. I want to see the series uh, go the distance uh, because it, it would just suck to see this game, this series end in five games. It really would. Uh, but I can't wait for game for game five or game game four. I can't wait for game four. I keep saying game five, like I'm an idiot. I can't wait for game four. I'm excited about that, uh, and I'm excited for the rest of this series. Anyways, I hope y'all enjoyed that. That's going to be it for this podcast. Uh, I hope y'all enjoyed it, and I will see y'all next time. Peace.